guys, welcome to Telling the Told and Untold. My name is Tseho. Today's case was suggested by one of you guys. If you guys don't know yet, I do have a case suggestion link in the description box below where you guys can suggest some cases for me. And one of you guys suggested that I cover the case of Talib Peterson. And I was so surprised that I hadn't heard about this case before. Um, so yeah, we are going to be talking about Talib Peterson today. And he was a famous South African singer, composer. Um, he did produce a lot of musicals as well. Um, but I think some people might know him as being one of the judges on season one of South African Idols. Yes. So before we go straight into today's video, I do have one um, content warning for you guys and I am going to be talking about mental illness in this video. So if that's not something that you're interested in watching, then this video probably isn't for you. But you guys can watch some of my other videos that are linked here um, or here the two um yes um or you can just wait for my next upload abdul mutilip peterson commonly known as sleep peterson was born on the 15th of april 1950 in cape town his talent for music was recognized from a relatively young age and when he was just six years old he had his first performance at the cape town carnival known as coon and when he was 24 years old he started performing in the theater and he was part of some musicals such as Hair and Godspell. He went to Fitzmaul School of Music in England and this is where he started studying classical guitar and after studying there for a relatively short amount of time he wrote his first musical known as Carnival Alla District 6 and it's based on the New Year celebrations in Cape Town but some people do believe that um, this musical was based on his first performance at um, the Cape Town Carnival when he was just six years old. In the 1980s, he formed a band called Sapphire, and by 1986, he had partnered up with David Cromer, who was or still is a big name in theater. And the two of them would go on to create and produce severally acclaimed musicals that did not just appear in South Africa, but were also shown on New York's Broadway as well as London's West End. In 1987, a woman by the name of Medicha Anders went to go audition for a role in District 6 and she immediately caught Tlaib's eye and soon the pair started dating. They went on to date for about 10 years before they decided to tie the knot and they had four children together. They had three girls and one son. I should note that their children's names are online but um, just out of respect, I'm not going to mention their names in this video. Medicha also converted to Islam which was Talib's religion and they had a happy marriage until about like the mid 90s where they hit a wall and apparently Medicha had a friend her name was Najwa Dirk and they were really close friends. Najwa would always come over to the house and Medicha was there um, they would have conversation and all those things but it started getting a bit weird when Najwa would go to the house when Medicha wasn't there and it was just Tlaib at home, like he was home alone and she would like constantly do that. 
which you know it's just very it's just very weird and then in 1997 Medica and Tlip did get a divorce and after this Tlip moved to a home in Athlone and this home was owned by one of Najla's family members um so if you hadn't guessed by now the two were seeing each other I don't know if they were having an affair but yeah they did start a relationship and move in together uh yeah so Najwa Dirk was from a very wealthy family her family got most of their income from distributing fruits um some people do believe that they did distribute other things as well Najla had been divorced two times. She recently got out of her second marriage when her and Tlaib started their relationship and she had two sons from her previous marriage. So now the two of them were living together um, in their own home in Athlone and Najla's cousin also lived on the property. He didn't live in the main house. He had a flat that was on the property. Najla's two sons also lived in the house as well as Tlaib's children. Tlaib and Malika did share custody of the children. They didn't like speak much like the two of them um, but there weren't any problems with custody of the children. Um, so the children would spend two weeks with Talib at Talib and Najwa's house and then they would spend the next two weeks at their mother's house and they would constantly do that until they got older and they were able to make their own decision whether they want to spend time at Medija's house or spend time with Tlip. So when they got old, it wasn't like fixed. Like it wasn't two weeks here, two weeks there. It was like they could go to their mother's house for a month, then go spend time with their father for another month, you know, like spend a weekend there, two weeks there, you know? Am I making sense? Although things were not always easy with the blended family, it is said that Tlip did seem happy with his decision to, you know, end his marriage with Medija and also get into a new relationship with Najwa. The two did get married three times. The first two times were said to be more of like a religious traditional ceremony and then the third time was a more like legal marriage, like signing marriage certificate, like signing a marriage certificate I'm assuming. Um, also it said that none of Tlaib's family attended the first two weddings for some unknown reason. Tlaib was also said to be a very private person. He didn't share much about like his personal life or marital issues with his friends or family. When him and Naja did get married, Naja did change her surname to Peterson but she referred it when people called her Dirk and she would often people that know her surname is still Dirk she didn't change it but if like all the legal documents that you see her surname is Peterson like officially Peterson. In 1999 Najwa and Tlip welcomed their first child together it was a girl and Tlip was very happy and excited about this new addition to their family but after Najwa gave birth to their daughter it 
it was said that she did become more unpredictable and not too long after that she was diagnosed with both bipolar as well as depression and her mental health kind of just started like spiraling and she would often be sent to psychiatric hospitals for weeks at a time and then in 2003 she did try and unalive herself by taking all of her medication that she had been prescribed at the same time but fortunately she was found and after this Talib made the decision that he would be in charge of like her medication so all of her medication was put in a cupboard and it was locked so she wouldn't have access to it and Talib would give her her medication when she needed it um, and like the correct dosage and whenever he wasn't in town like when he was away on business or something like that one of the older children would be tasked um, with giving Najra her medication. Because of Najra's mental health issues, her and Talib's marriage started getting a bit rocky. And then in 2005, Talib reconnected with his ex-wife, Medika. Like they started um, speaking more frequently, calling each other, texting each other. I don't think it was anything like romantic i think it was more platonic i can't be too sure but i don't think it was like anything like an affair or something like that then in 2006 Najra once again got admitted into a psychiatric hospital and she got released a couple of weeks later on the 13th of april and that night when she was home one of talib's daughters walked into the house and she saw najwa sitting on the bed and her and najwa just had like casual conversation and she could hear that her father was in the shower so the two of them spoke for a while and then after this um, Talib's daughter decided to go to bed so she went to bed closed her door and while she was asleep she heard her little sister like knocking on the door softly she went to go check and her little sister told her um, that their dad was asking for help so Talib's daughter got out of like her room went to Talib and Najwa's bedroom and kind of put like her ear against the door just to hear what was going on and she could hear her father saying no Najwa no. She then knocked on the door and opened it and the room was relatively dark there was only light coming from the tv that was still on so she kind of like spoke into the darkness and asked her father if he was okay and he said yeah i'm okay and asked her to switch on the lights and then said like when you switch on the lights don't panic like don't be scared don't panic you know so she decided to switch on the lights um, following her father's instruction and as soon as she did she saw Najwa on her knees holding a knife her father kind of like pushing her away and his chest was literally covered in blood and obviously like she couldn't not panic and she says like she'll never forget this but she remembers looking at Najwa and seeing that she looked almost demonic like her facial expression was just demonic at this point um most of the people in the house had woken up and were also by the bedroom looking at what was going on and then um Talib had managed to get the knife away from Najwa and they had a domestic helper that lived on the premises with them so Talib gave it to the helper and asked her to please wash the knife carefully and just pack it away where it belongs 
After this, he organized for Najla to go back to the psychiatric hospital again for another three weeks and then he got himself to the emergency room. As far as I know, Talib didn't report this incident to the police. But after this, when Najla came back home from the psychiatric hospital again, um, it said that the whole energy in the house kind of changed. People in the house were more on edge and every time they went to bed, they would always lock their doors. And they never used to do this before. And Sleep also moved out of the main bedroom to another extra bedroom. And he stayed in this room with his daughter, him and Najla's daughter, who was seven years old at the time, if I'm not mistaken, like six or seven. Um, and he too would also lock the bedroom door when they went to bed. And Najla later said that the reason why Sleep moved out of their bedroom was because of her smoking habits. But we all know that it's because that she literally tried to stab him. That's why he moved out. A couple of weeks or months later, while Najla was at her daughter's school, she saw one of her old acquaintances and his children also attended the same school as Najla's daughter. His name was Fahim Hendricks and at this point he had known Najla for about 20 years and one of his brothers also worked for Najla's family's um, fruit distributing business and he was still friends with one of Najra's ex-husbands. Fahim Hendricks was struggling financially. He would often try to start like businesses and these businesses would fail and he had recently come up with a new business venture that he wanted to try out which was basically just like a restaurant takeaway business that was he thought was like going to do pretty well and all he needed at this point was 10,000 Rand for stock so that it could officially open and because he knew that Najla was financially well off he went to ask her if she could like lend him 10,000 Rand and this was not the first time that Fahim had asked to lend money from Najla. Um, in the beginning of the year when him and Najwa first like reconnected, he had asked Najwa to lend him 20,000 Rand and Najwa did but she took his car as surety that he would pay her back and the only time he got his car back was when he paid her back. So now he was asking her for um, the money, like to lend him money again for this business of his and Najwa said yes like she did before but this time she wanted something different. She didn't want to take his car as surety. She asked him if he would kill someone for her. So Fame was kind of, you know, like freaked out so he just like left it and after this Najla kept like persisting like kept being persistent like you know consistently like asking him about it checking if he would agree to it and finally he did agree and he said that he would like kill someone for her like for this money and yeah at this point he didn't know who Najla wanted killed. Najla said that she would give Fahim a hundred thousand rand and he could split the money with whoever he got to help him um, kill this person. So Fahim went to someone that he thought would know a couple of hitmen which side note I don't know how you just look at someone and you're like hmm 
I think this person, like this person knows a couple of hitmen for me. But anyways, Fahim went to this man and his name was Abdur MG. He was 34 years old. Abdur had recently been released from prison and he was currently staying with Fahim as well as Fahim's wife. So after Fahim went to Abdur and like told him about this plan and wanting like a couple of hitmen, Abdur said yes. Um, and he said that he knew three men from Hanover Park that would definitely do the job for money. So um, they hadn't spoken to Naja for a while after this and she kept wondering where Fahim was, like Fahim wasn't getting back to her about having found people. So she sent one of her friends to Fahim's house to get his cell phone number. So she got his cell phone number and then she kept calling, like she called him so she could find out what was the plan, what was happening, did he find people. Then him and Abdul went to her house. I'm assuming her husband wasn't home or like people went home, but they went to her house and this is where they found out that she wanted her husband, Tlip Peterson, killed. The reason why she wanted her husband killed is because she says that Tlip wanted a divorce and they were married in community or property so she didn't want to share her assets with him. So let me quickly tell you about Tlip and Najwa's financial situation. So every month Najwa would get about a hundred thousand rand from different things that she was into. She would get some money from the family fruit distributing business. She would um, sometimes illegally sell some US dollars to some people to make a profit. She had some shares um, in a property business and she would also frequently um, sell some diamonds to people. I don't know where she got the diamonds but like she would sell some diamonds to people and Talib literally had no money like Talib had no money at all like obviously at this point Talib was a very successful singer composer you know I think at this point it was all he was also um, a judge on Idol so he was making money but all of the money that he would make would go directly into Najwa's bank account not his bank account and then Najwa would send him money every month for his debit orders. So that's the only time like he would actually have money in his account just to pay for his debit orders. Um, Talib also had some, he had a couple of life insurances like for his children. So some of the money that um, would go directly into Najwa's account is, Najwa says that she would use that money to pay for like some of those life insurances. And he had recently gotten um, a new life insurance that was worth 5.3 million rand. And the sole beneficiary was he was him and Najwa's daughter. So she was going to receive the money. But at this point she was only seven years old so obviously if something were to happen to her before she was of age which is 18 or like 21 then her mother Najwa would be responsible for her finances yeah so those were based that's basically like the financial the financial situation Najwa wanted the men to make the hit look like either a robbery or a hijacking gone wrong. And then she said that on the day of the hit, she would give the men 30,000 rand almost as 
a deposit and after she received Talib's life insurance policy or like the life insurance money then she would give them the rest of the money so at this point Talib was in London preparing for one of his musicals and he was due to return on the 13th of December so they planned for this hit to take place on the 13th. The initial plan was that Naja would go to the airport and fetch Talib and then on their way home the hijacking would take place but on the day that Talib's flight was due to return it was delayed so Naja called Fahim and told him that um, the plane had been delayed so they just need to delay it for you know a little longer but for like the same night then Fahim said that he hadn't been able to get a hold of the three men that Abdur had organized and when he finally managed to get a hold of one of the men they said that they didn't have transport to like make their way for the hijacking the next day Talib had his first ever performance with his son who was 14 years old at the time it was like you know a father-son moment where they would perform together so he thought it was a bit odd when Naja said she wouldn't be like she'd get there a bit late because she wasn't feeling too well but in actual fact she was planning the hit again like trying to make the second hit successful so she called for him and the plan was basically that once um Tlaib got off the stage and exited um the three men would shoot him so when Fahim got a hold of these men they said that okay sorry we weren't able to get together so that we could come do this hit and i don't know i think they're just terrible hitmen at this point because how can you guys not all come together to do a hit? I'm not condoning it, I'm just saying that. Terrible hitman. On Saturday the 16th of December, it was Najwa's twin niece's birthday and they were having a celebration. But Najwa said that she wasn't, like she still wasn't feeling well so she wouldn't be able to make it. But Talib and some of the kids went either way and they just left her at home. Sleep returned home at about 10 p.m. and when he got home, Najwa was in one of the children's bedroom. So he went up to Najwa and together they started praying for Najwa's health. And whilst they were praying, Najwa's one of Najwa's daughters-in-law walked into the house. She walked in with her husband, who was Najwa's son, as well as their newborn baby. And they walked past the room that Najwa and Tlip were in praying, like quietly. And then they went into their room and locked the door and were just like done for the night. After the prayer and everything, Tlip went downstairs and he invited Najwa's cousin in the house for some tea and birthday cake and they spoke for about an hour before um, Najwa decided to join them as well. Then she decided that she was tired and she was going to bed. So she went upstairs to her bedroom and she like ran her, she ran herself a bath and then after a while she heard Talib climbing up the stairs going to his bedroom because remember they started sleeping in two different bedrooms after she stabbed him. 
yes so Tlip went to his bedroom and she heard him switch on the TV and she knew he was either going to do this it was either like after he was done for the night he would go to his bedroom switch on the TV or he would go to the studio and this is exactly what she told Fahim and Abdur earlier that day Fahim and Abdurur had let go of those three men from Hanover Park that they had gotten to do the hit before, the ones that like failed the first two times. So they got two other men to do the hit and their names were Walid Hassan and Jefferson Snyders. And the two men had driven to the area where the house was earlier that day just to get a feel of the neighborhood, the area, before they came later that night. The two men were told that when they get to the house, the front door would be left unlocked for them, the security gate would be unlocked, and the alarm system would be disarmed. And the security cameras on that side of the house that they were coming in would not be working. Talib had went to bed without setting the alarm because the house had, like the household had a rule that the last person that to go to bed or come home would be the one to switch on the alarm. And when Talib went to bed, one of Najwa's sons was still at the twins' birthday party. So he was the one that was supposed to switch on the alarm, which is why Talib left the alarm on. And at half past 11 that night, Najwa called Fahim and then 10 minutes later, two armed masked men walked into Tlaib's bedroom. Walid had a gun and Jefferson had cable ties. Jefferson would later say when they went to the house, he didn't know they were going to the house for a hit, but he would later find out that that was the plan. Within minutes, Tlaib had his hands tied with cable ties and he was on the ground. Walid then said that they came to rob the house. Najwa then came into the room and it said, it's almost as though Tlaib already knew that she, she had planned this and she was the reason why those men were there, like you could just see it all over his face. And then Najwa went to him like trying to hug him and then he like headbutted her. And then Walid saw this and he got upset, so kind of like punched uh, Tlaib in the face and Tlaib fell backwards and then he started bleeding through his nose and mouth. Then uh, Najwa went to go sit next to him, she was hugging him, um, talking to him softly, trying to just calm him down as Tlaib was crying because it's like, you know, like he just knew what was happening, like he knew what was going to happen. Jefferson saw this and he thought that Talib was moving around too much so he took a tablecloth and with Najwa's help they tied Talib's legs together so he would stop moving around a lot. Walid then told Najwa to take him to the safe and Najwa had already prepared a bag for Walid and Jefferson. Inside the bag there was 27,000 rand for them. And after this Walid told Najwa like he should probably take some other stuff from the safe so that it could look more like a robbery but Najwa wasn't prepared to have him take anything else from her or like her house so she said no but she gave him the watch that she had on her arm 
or rest rather. After this, Walid asked her if there were other people in the house and Naja said yes, her daughter-in-law, her son, as well as their newborn baby were in their room. So Walid was like, take me to them. So they got to her son's bedroom door and she knocked on the door and once they opened it, Walid burst inside and Naja came in and she was hysterical, she was crying, you know, just putting on an act. So they would also believe by, okay, my mom is in danger. So Walid, like, you know, he had a gun on him, so kind of like waving it around. And he got 200 Rand from the couple as well as their phones and a camera. And as he was walking out of the room, he stopped next to the crib where the baby was. And this man still had a gun in his hand, but it wasn't pointing in like any direction. And then he like put his head inside and then he kissed the baby on the forehead. And then he walked out with Najwa and then they locked the door again. Then as we were walking back to where Talib was, Najwa said to him, okay, you've gotten what you came for, now you need to do what you're here for. Like, you know, you have to do what you're here for. So once they got to the room, they saw that Jefferson had put a glove in Talib's mouth, presumably just because Talib was making a noise, you know crying, maybe trying to scream, something like that. But in the same breath, Jefferson was also like wiping Tleep's tears and the blood that was on his face, like being nice, but he also stuffing like a glove in his mouth, you know? So after this, Walid went into one of the bedrooms, took a pillow and he folded the pillow, then put the gun that he had in between like the little fold that was there. And at this point, the glove that was in Tleep's mouth was out and Jefferson was outside of the room. Walid had told him to go stand outside and just like keep watch. So he had this pillow with the gun inside pointing towards Talib and he says at this point he became very hesitant like he didn't want to shoot Talib was very hesitant about the whole thing but then Najwa was next to him and then Najwa put her hand in that little like fold there and she held the gun as well like her hand was on top of Walid's hand and he's not too sure who pulled the trigger but there was a shot and Talib was shot and Tilly Peterson died almost instantly. After this, um, Najla had Walid lock her in the bedroom next to where Talib was. And her daughter was literally asleep in this bedroom. The whole time this whole thing was happening, her daughter was asleep in the next room. So these men locked Najwa in the room with her daughter and then they left and Najwa gave them a little bit of time before she decided to call some of her family members. She called them, she was crying, hysterical, basically saying that there was a robbery at the house um, and that she had heard a gunshot. And luckily one of Najwa's family members thought about calling Talib's brother who lived relatively close to the house. He was literally the first one on the scene with his son. They got into the house and he found his brother's body. Then he broke down the door where Najwa and her daughter were in. And yeah, that's what happened. As per Islamic religion, within 24 hours, Sleep Peterson was laid to rest. And it's also said that the wife can't see any other male um, who isn't a family member. But 
on the day of the funeral, literally, Fahim went to the house and they wouldn't let him inside because obviously he's not related to Najwa, but somehow Najwa convinced them to let him inside. So he went inside and she told them that he owed her money when in actual fact she was kind of paying him more money for the hit on her husband and she gave for him 40,000 rand. For the next six months, police officers were investigating T. Peterson's murder and they didn't have any leads. I'm not too sure when they did suspect, when they did start suspecting Najwa as being involved, but one of the police officers noticed that when they went to the house after the robbery, Najwa still had two of her phones on her when everyone else in the house had had their phones taken from them because of the robbery. And it's not like she just had one phone on her that maybe she hid. She had like both of her phones still on her and the police officer asked to take her phones as evidence and then Najwa asked for a couple of minutes so that she could like take down some numbers to call family members and inform them of Talib's passing. So the police officer said sure you can you know write down a couple of numbers but as she was doing this she was actually deleting all of her communication with Fahim. But we know that guys, you can delete something, but it's always there. Like, it's never really gone. So police officers had her phones and they managed to retrieve like her communication and her cell phone, um, her cell phone records, and they saw that she had called Fahim 51 times in just five days in the days leading up to Talib's murder and in the days after his murder so they managed to find Fahim they brought him in and he somehow managed to convince them that him and Najwa were seeing each other and that Najwa was having an affair but this didn't last too long and police officers could see that okay Fahim is who we need to crack this case. So they tried to find like different ways to try and like pressurize him. And somehow they found that he had an unlicensed gun. So they arrested him for possession of an unlicensed, an unlicensed firearm. And once he was released on bail, he went to his attorney and he told his attorney, he's like, look, I have some information about Talib Peterson's murder. And his attorney said to him, okay, it's either you go to the police officers and you give them a full confession or you have 20,000 rand on hand in case they arrest you in connection um, of his murder and then you have bail money on you. So Talib thought about this and then he called Najwa and told her about what his attorney had said to him and Najwa organized that he go collect 20,000 rand from her father's house which is also a bit sus because your father's house like do they know do they not know anyways so after he collected this 20,000 rand um for him thought it over and I think he just thought it wasn't worth it. So he went to the police station and he gave them a full confession about Najwa, Abdur, Walid, Jefferson, um, Najwa's whole plan. He told them everything and in return Fahim Hendricks received full immunity and he was placed in witness protection. Then in June 2007, Najwa Dirk, 
Abdur MG, Walid Hassan, and Jefferson Snyders were arrested and charged with the murder of Talib Peterson and four other charges and they all pleaded not guilty. After the trial, all four of them were found guilty for various charges. Najwa Dirk was found guilty on one count of murder and one count of robbery with aggravating circumstances and she was sentenced to 28 years in prison. Abdur MG was found guilty on the same charges as Najwa Dirk and he was sentenced to 24 years. Walid Hassan was found guilty for murder as well as a possession of a firearm and ammunition and one count of robbery with aggravating circumstances and he was sentenced to 24 years. Jefferson Snyders was found not guilty for murder, but he was found guilty on one count of robbery with aggravating circumstances, and he was sentenced to 10 years. If I'm not mistaken, by now, he was sentenced in 2009, so by now he's probably, he's probably been released. Then in November of 2020, so literally less than two years ago, Abdur MG was released on parole and Talib's family and children were not aware that he was up for parole and that he had been released. They only saw a picture of him on social media with I think some of his family members. He was smiling and he was standing outside of the prison.